Oh, wow. Goddamn. Hey. Ain't gonna get hot about it. Jesus, that Red Bull had some foam. I'm gonna light his ass up later. You're gonna give a receipt when you put oh, it Oh, your notes. Look at these notes. They're all gone. <laughs> notes. Gone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Rule book out the window. House. New Blood House. Rising podcast has come back yet again. This time we're talking about Vince Russo. The uh, Russo review part. <laughs> you got yeah. it. Taker yeah. is nodding yes at me. Yeah. Yep. 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 See this? Taker this is approves. Not a Russo review podcast. Yep. And... When we were talking about what we were going to discuss in between the pay-per-views, it seemed very, very fitting when you brought it up because we have reached that point in October of 2000 when Vince Russo... It's not like a very abruptly... It's nope. like there's this... It's a long time coming. It's a gradual exit over the over these last couple months out of the company. So, we're, I guess we're going to be doing kind of a comparison here because we talked... We did a Russo review part one. You can go to OSW, you know review of the piledriverwrestling.net and check it out and everything for us, but we talked about the first one. Basically, let's recap it. What did we think of the first Russo run? The Halloween Havoc through... Uh, through Starcade. Through Starcade. Didn't Star quite Kid? get it sold out. He wanted to get it sold out, but that's when he got canned. Um, I still remember it. It was awful. Yeah, those three pay-per-views were just shit. Uh, Mayhem cool. being almost... Okay. And that's a great Charlie Stabile talking. And, of course, all across the is the other great one. Oh, the other, the other great <laughs> one. The other. That's Dwayne yeah. The Rock Johnson's here, folks. That's yeah. right. Good this, one. John, <laughs> the other great one, John Dwayneston, is here. Oh, John Dwayneston, the I, stone I, himself. I, I am at the Jason Keys. Or the oh, no, we ain't talking about Twitter now, Dylan. Sorry. Well, we're giving people <laughs> a platform for you to popularize yourself. Quote the chosen one, end quote. No. <laughs> no. Taker says no. No. He's right, just so, sitting there. He's... I'm, I'm William Rink, and we just kind of dove right into it because it's this whole podcast we started with the entrance of Vince Russo. So it's. Uh, That's what it's centered around. Yeah. So mm-hmm. to now see him exit, there's a. Good kinda, riddance. Yeah. That first run was interesting because. There was promise. It wasn't my WCW. No. Right, but it was very different. That's a great tagline because yeah. that's what they tried to sell it as. Is yeah, not. This is something different. Yeah. You succeeded, man. Yeah. Bravo. <laughs> you definitely made it different. But where he goes downhill definitely is a fact. And we're gonna get in. We're gonna talk about this definitely because it, it mirrors what happens in the second run. Injuries, circumstances out of his control, plagued him most definitely. Because with Bret Hart's injury, Jeff Jarrett's injury, mm-hmm. which was a little bit more temporary, of course, yeah. it derailed his sold out. But in the greater scope of things, people were not impressed with how he was moving the numbers in WCW. I think it's important to also mention that um, this first run with Russo, no Eric Bischoff. No. No Eric Bischoff. And even though it moved numbers maybe a little, a little bit in the positive direction, overall creatively, not... Circular, just... Uh, Bishop, uh, um, sorry, Russo, he came into WCW with heat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, these WCW guys, from what we know, basically heard that this is the guy that, that put WWF, like, over the top and stuff. And they're like, oh, who is he? Mm-hmm. You know, because Vince Russo, behind the scenes at WWF, I mean, he was behind the scenes. I mean, the most we ever saw of him in WWF was uh, his uh, Vic Venom right. uh, articles in WWF magazine. Yeah, yeah, and he would occasionally be like a character in some of the vignettes. Like I remember he was in Billionaire Ted's Wrestling War Room. Yeah, he was one of the guys sitting. Remember when Vince actually? Remember when he actually did like uh, Vince McMahon? Actually did like um, it was back when Vince would be in the studio. Mm -hmm. Maybe oh, he'd be sitting by the computers and. Oh, those There's were, Russo in there. He actually introduces or talks. Like, Vince Russo's in the fucking picture. But it was no, never like doing, Oh, wait. Let's take it back. Remember when people call in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Russo was there with them, and, like, they they would... Um, and of course, you'd get some great winners. People that would call in and just mm. just talk the dumbest shit ever. But anyway... Hard to be proud of your life's work. But it was weird. It was like, oh, there's that guy. <laughs> there's that guy again. You know, yeah. and they're all oh, there. But you're right. Largely behind the scenes... You know one that we forget a lot? Remember when Sable won, like, it was, uh, like, Raw Magazine cover of the year or whatever. Yeah. But it was when Luna came in and ripped her dress. He's the guy in the ring with her. And he's the one who covers her up. That was the, oh, I didn't know that. It was one of the first times that you saw that happen with Sable. During that, um, right on, right as she was about to start really lifting out of the Mark Marrow 
which is getting away from that. Right. So we see, we, we had the Kevin Sullivan era, which kind of saw the old guys in a lot of people's minds get back into the swing of things and be kind of at the top of the game. So that's sold out. It's the next three. Slambury. Well, I don't know WCW pay-per-view right. in a row. Like sold, out, sold out. Sold out. Un- or Super Brawl. And Uncensored. And Uncensored. The three. Sullivan those Trilogy. Were, those were better. Reboot Nitro is where we start again. Mm-hmm. And I think we can collectively say Reboot Nitro was fun. It was a blast. Mm-hmm. And honestly, mo- that's right, what you most... Right and wrong reasons. Most of you have listened to that the most. I believe, overall, that is the most listened to episode that we've got. Strange. But it's a great fucking time. Not the episode. Well, the episode is, but that's yeah. your decision if you view it that way. I'm just talking about the actual... The actual Reboot Nitro. It would, I enjoyed it. It's, I mean, it's an utter train wreck, but it's very compelling television. Right. I mean, it's like literally like five to seven minute segments, if that. And it's just... Couldn't name you a single match. And I remember there were matches that, ha- that happened. Oh, yeah. It's like five matches. But you it's get set- Mike Awesome's debut. And- yeah, man. You get, oh, yeah. You get Scott Steiner returning, like bitching out Ric Flair. Yeah. Which I don't think Ric Flair yeah. maybe was there. <laughs> the opening... Open alone? Yeah, the opening alone is, is worth it. I absolutely loved that episode, even though it's just shit, but because it let it it created like, oh wow, can you imagine the possibilities of this? Mm-hmm. Nash and Mike Awesome feuding, which Yeah, that was something we talked about beforehand. Oh, it would be great. Yeah. You're you're talking about now um what was the there uh, J- Jarrett and DDP was always kind yeah, of that, that, was, that, that was lingering out there. Flair and Douglas, which for years had been like a, a real a real feud. Yeah. Sting and Vampiro, Kidman and Hogan, like, holy cow, there are so many great possibilities. Not so fast, my friend. Right. Not so fast. So, guys, remember when we got the stamp, Spring Stampede and Slambury kind of fall in the same kind of malaise of, well, the same shit happens in both of them, basically. Yeah, it's like a lot of potential, like, we're going to build new people, but then there's no. A lot of right. creative control thrown around or whatever. I think Russo is onto something really great, though, with the New Blood. I think the New Blood is a great, a great idea. Concept. So I give him mad so props for that. I yeah. bought that shirt. Yeah. I was ready. Great I just idea. don't think that the, the fans weren't ready to accept the established stars as the bad guys. And it showed because they were immediately turned face. Like, they're, that night at the Reboot Nitro, they're presented like the bad guys. Here's well, the millionaires. Probably, yeah, that's the great point. They're the millionaires club. And they're the good guys. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no. We talked about this. this I remember money. Yeah. Vince McMahon. Any money character is a heel, right? Right. Any because the average WWE. Who was sorry, the best the heel of the eighties? Who was the best heel of the eighties? Million Dollar Man. Yeah. Uh, the 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 average wrestling fan is a blue collar worker. That's why Stone Cold Steve Austin was so successful. Who? Been, yeah. You, what? You never heard of him? <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> Deaf men here <laughs> for the first time. What? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I love kayfabe news. Um, oh, what was I going to say? I'm sorry, I cut you no, off. No, I apologize. No. Keep, keep going. Okay. Um, but that's why, in all fairness, like the thing that's, uh, and this comes back to recently. If you listen to Ric Flair's podcast, Woo Nation, mm. Vince Russo it's was just on there. Too. It's it's pretty. I, I like. Woo I do enjoy it. I really do. Um, uh, is 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 Goldberg's even still on? I don't know. I haven't heard. They were really hyping it. They were. Um, then it was just I like, haven't heard. You like list all these people that are not wrestling people. And I think that wrestling fans, if they want to hear a wrestler do a podcast, they either want wrestling people or that person's life right. to be talked about. Right. So I, remember, I remember when Stone Cold had uh, on Will Sasso. So Will Sasso's an actor, comedian, but he's a huge wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. Huge. Been involved in Been wrestling. Been involved in wrestling. <laughs> Bret Hart was on Mad TV with him. Indirectly caused the death of Roddy Piper. <laughs> oh, I like how you're swirling. <laughs> Waiting on it. It's so weird. Like that's why I'm curious. Like, uh, is there heat with Sasso and Austin? Because I, I, I don't know. I don't know. He does a great Austin impression. Oh, it's oh, he does a great. I, I believed impression. it. Oh, I wipe. It was like if, when you listen to that the the Piper one that got pulled. You really believe that that's Austin? Yeah. I, at least I did for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then well, he did Austin on Mad TV. Yeah, yeah. and, and Austin did. came out and. Stunned him. Yeah, stunned well, him. he did Austin on Matt TV. Stunned because him for were, your trouble. He was Austin. Deborah was Deborah, and then Austin was Tony Little. Which is, if you haven't seen that, that's amazing. If you don't know, Tony Little was like in the early two thousands, was like one of these exercise guys. Like he had the gazelle exercise, big jack buff dude, ponytail, always wearing a hat, just comes out and like Austin's like, and you, he's like, and you gotta keep running. Like Austin's like trying to like get a squeaky voice. He was funny as fuck when Austin wants to be. Oh, Austin's he, gonna be hysterical. Uh, that's one of the things that makes 
the heel Austin tolerable. Yeah. When when heel Austin wasn't working, and it wasn't except for that Michael Cole beatdown, which I completely you, forgot about. Did I send you that? Yes, you did. Holy! I, like, I remember this. And it's and just he beats the shit. It's out of it's and uncomfortable. It, do you remember watch. the fans in the audience? Leave him alone. <laughs> Leave. <laughs> he hates that shirt that he's wearing too. Like, he, what's the shirt? Oh, that he has right. on? He's just trying to rip it. The oh, fuck oh off Michael Cole's shirt. Oh, yeah. Nothing on the stand a chance. <laughs> Um, to get back to Vince Russo, yeah. here's the thing about Vince Russo. Yeah, I've, I've heard him talk enough. This is a guy who's in the wrestling business, and I truly believe he hates wrestling. Like, wrestling. Mm -hmm. Like, the actual physical part of it. And he has stated it multiple times, and we've talked about this, where the most interesting part of a match is the beginning and the end. Everything in the middle doesn't matter. And he is completely wrong about it. Well, it's that. a control thing. You can't control that stuff. No. I can control what a guy says because I wrote it. Right. That's in that's true too. I can control who wins because we write that. But, but all the stuff that the wrestlers do. Basically, the way he makes it sound is that the wrestlers are props. He sounds he sounds like Alfred Hitchcock. The way he would talk about movies, he's like, "Oh, I love making movies. I just hate dealing with actors." It sounds like the same thing with Vince Russo. Yeah. You like you like we were talking about off air about what he said about Austin and The Rock. Wow. Yes, I wrote it. Yeah. yeah it. Oh God, that that drove me nuts because it was just like, boy, you you still haven't like, after all the stuff that's happened, you still haven't kind of figured it you out. You can't figure it out, and he's oblivious to it. And he's been on the network uh, where he says that he doesn't regret any of the decisions he made regarding David Arquette. Yeah, it, it's just he will never well, take because now apparently he's pinned it on Tony Schiavone, right? Being the he guy he has pinned it on Tony Schiavone. <clears throat> Whether that's true or not, who knows? Tony hasn't come out and said anything about it. But that's the thing about Vince Russo that I cannot stand. His head is so far up his own. There's a South Park episode about this where their ego is so big that they can't, they literally cannot see when or even if they're wrong. Right. Yeah, because their ego blocks it so much. And he's had enough definitely to, uh, over the last few years that would humble somebody. Yeah. Because like, okay, you are successful at one thing. You go and try it again and you fail. Okay, that, that's business, that's life. Then you go again and you fail again. Then you go again and you fail again. They get to the point that people don't want you there. Yeah. See, that's the thing that it is rarely touched on. So like the WCW downfall is one thing, but then the TNA. Oh my God. The t and then like the, going the, back to the WWF, this weird story where he wanted to like bring right. the, the invasion back. Even his own website, mm -hmm. like the weird fallout of that Pyro and Ballyu. Yeah. Which is oh weird. yeah. There's weird circumstances. I don't understand Again, how any the of that story. I, I mean, the story is whatever it is. We've gotten conflicting ones from you know different sites and everything of like that. So I'm not going to expound upon that. But the reason I bring up what he talked about Wu Nation is the fact that he had a plan for that first era. He had a real plan for the first era of his run in WCW from Havoc. Through Starcade. The idea was, and remember when we talked about, like, well, this is weird. He's killing off all the old guys. Like, mm -hmm. Hogan's gone. DDP vanishes. Yeah. Savage quits. Remember, he, we, we barely talked about it. He had some weird promo where he just left. Yeah. But, I mean, he only, he never actually shows up on the, on the pay-per-view. Not really. No. And then Ric Flair gets buried in the desert, which we talk about. Vince Russo had an idea. He just recently said this to where... Like the Avengers, he was going to bring back all the legends at once as a team. A conflicting team of guys who, although although they may not each like each other, their idea is to unseat basically the new blood. He didn't call them the new blood, but that's basically what was going to be. The Jeff Jarrett's and all the the younger guys were going to be at the head of the thing. Mm -hmm. It was going to be a burial. Sound, yeah. It sounds all right, but it sounds like it's a one pay-per-view and we're right. done. Yeah, because none of the, like, you get those guys together... First, none of them are going to let... I mean, clearly we see this coming up. With the exception of Flair, no one is in the interest of letting anyone else get any attention. Well, I really... I think it's interesting that he says this now when it's only been... It, it was like a few... Maybe six months ago where Ric Flair said, I don't understand how Vince Russo planned on putting over new talent without help from the old talent. And you can't just erase the past. You know, it's like, we built this place... You know, if anyone's going to put them over, it's going to be us. They right. can't put themselves over. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, the, the, I think, the part that he doesn't get. So, let's like, get... We had, a, we had him fight Hogan, uh, right. Kidman. Like, that's a great example. Right. Hogan killed him both times. So, that's what I was going to get to. So, he got to do what he kind of wanted to do with his, his quote-unquote Avengers, we'll call yeah. it, storyline, where he took the Millionaire's Club. I think now that we've gotten away from we've seen some of the stuff from it, the big problem is you had them all together too quickly. Like, yeah. they should have been fractioned from the start. 
give them a pay-per-view where they all just get dismantled to where like the old guys are like, you know what, the only way we're going to do this is yeah. we're going to have to link up. Right? I, want the, I, don't I don't like you and you don't like me yeah. speech, team up. Yeah. Yeah. You do something like that, it would have worked a little bit better. Instead, like from the get-go... They're on Reboot Nitro. <laughs> they're on Reboot Nitro. Working at the monitor. Together. No chairs backstage. No. no, but at least they're not looking at it. Sting and Luger just feuded like yeah. um, like the night before, yeah. Yeah. practically. But still, um, yeah, the cast, everybody's arms had healed. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> yeah, that too. I mean, if you get like that's what I mean. It's yeah. just like that's gone. So we had a pay per view where the New Blood beat the shit out of Millionaires, and then the very next pay per view, you know, was the in, Millionaires beat all the New Blood. I thought about that last night when I was thinking. about it. I was like, so I remember that pay per view. I think it was Stampede where they got all the belts. Yep. With the exception of Terry Funk's hardcore title. Right. But they didn't look strong in any which way, no. shape, or form. They didn't win any match. Everything probably. had some sort of interference or right. screwy finish. So that's why it was like, this is really marred. And then, like, I, again, like, do circumstances kind of dictate themselves a little bit? Maybe. I don't know. Like, because in the middle of that summer was where Bischoff had supposedly tried to book the deal with um, the one company... That fell through, and that's when, well, then we'll just turn Goldberg heel. That'll be the big surprise. Yeah. And there we go. So I know there's some things that are out of control, but here's the thing. Circumstances are out of control with everybody. Guys get injured every day. John Cena got injured in a house show, and they're going to have to deal with that and figure it out on the fly if he's hurt bad enough to where he can't wrestle for a bit. Yeah. Good bookers know how to deal with circumstances out of their control. Mm-hmm. And the Vince Russo circumstance, it was just sort of like, well, we have no plan B. Exactly. That's a good point, bringing up Booker. Something we forgot to mention on the last show. I did want love, not to get off topic, but one of Mark Madden's calls for Scott Steiner where he said, oh, Scott Steiner's had a lot of problems with Booker's. And he's about to take out another one. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Because what was it always rumored? Scott Steiner was supposed to have been world champion like 90, like oh, way I back. that old story, yeah. And it didn't happen. That's why like he That'd hates Ric Flair. That would have been a weird thing to do. The back then. so weird. Yeah. Because I, I, the, you not, only associated him with his brother. Right. And I remember it took a while to think of him without Rick. Hell, it took eight years until he became Big Papa Pump. I was like, all right, I'm on my own. Yeah. I be- and, yep, and I believe exploded. you. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was, when you get to those, after Slamboree, when you get to like Great American Bash, like it feels like any good idea you had with New Blood is dead mm-hmm. yeah. instantly. And we're right back to where, like this is, I think... Maybe it was around Bash, or maybe a little bit beforehand is when we noticed, like, we've got way too much Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As much as he loved Jeff Jarrett, he way overbooked him being, like, the guy. He was, it seemed like he was the only, uh, he was the only heel that he was really behind. Yeah. In his writing. Do you think it would have worked if he was a face, if they they turned Jarrett? Jarrett is a face. No. I don't see Jarrett likable. I don't see him And it's not anything against him, it's just, he just... was he ever a face in anywhere other than TNA? Did even in WWF, even in WWF, I don't really. If he it was, was, it might have been the briefest. He was I a think heel he was, Double J. He, he was, was a heel. heel as well, face horseman, because he was part of face horseman, kind of. Or I mean, they were kind of face. He was part of them, but I don't remember. I mean, he wasn't like then either. Right. So, when he was a right. tag team with uh, Owen Hart. Like they were, they were heels. They were, heels. They were definitely heels. So he's never really been ex- and. I think the other thing, because and Jeff Jarrett has a, such a huge part to deal with, this, so it's good that we talk about it. He's such a by the numbers heel. Yeah, he cuts the basic. same, and and I don't blame him in a way because he grew up under a promoter, so he saw what heels were supposed to do to get over back then. But the problem is that doesn't necessarily work. I mean, as you saw, Steve Austin is clearly a heel, but he's the most over guy in the world. Mm-hmm. So things have changed. Yeah. But the way he cut, would deliver a heel promo. Sl- there's going to be a slab nuts in there. Yeah. There's going to be a chosen one in there, mm-hmm. and choke what am I on mean? that? Choke, a choke, on, choke on, on something. You know, so it's 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 a very by the numbers promo, and it just the oversaturation of Jeff Jarrett, I think, really buried the Vince Russo second run. I agree. Very early. He's the only heel. You're right. He's the only heel that he was really behind. Yeah, totally, mm-hmm. absolutely. For whatever reason. Well, it's because he was the only. He was of the new blood guys. He was the only one that wasn't going against like. Hogan or Flair or something. DDP seemed like a very much of a team player. Yeah, DDP. And so it was. I guess it was easier to get behind the one person and support the one person that you knew that the his opposition would be willing to work with you, as opposed to, yeah, okay, I'll let Kidman go over on me. You talk to him on Tuesday, and then Sunday rolls in in Gorilla. Oh no, I'm I'm going over, and you have to do it. 
So, so that's uh, here's here's a question. We talk about circumstances can sometimes bring about downfalls that are out of your control. Mm-hmm. Do you think Hulk Hogan has a huge part to deal with the failure of the second Vince Russo run? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because absolutely. well, I don't. All right, I'm not going to just completely blame it on Hogan, but that whole thing did. That whole night did, because I mean. Bischoff left because Bischoff was a good friend to Hogan, not just business partner, but right. like, you know, we're friends, but I'd be like, yeah, I kind of can't leave. But, I mean, he's like, no, I got to go. You can't right. talk to my friend like that and expect me to work with you. So then there goes another person with idea, another person that maybe the older established WCW talent guys would listen to as opposed to Jared. Just, here's my cockamamie scheme. Now you're selling Amway. You're you're retiring one night as a face, and then you're a heel the next night, right? Kind of thing. Hogan never wants, never wanted to let go, ever. I have such a hard time because, like, remember the story we talked about at the Bash of the Beach, where it's like Russo and Hogan talked. Russo said, um, "You're dropping the belt, or you're not getting the belt." And he's like, "I am getting the belt." And so that's where the conflict really begins because he wants Booker to get the belt because that's what everybody wanted, mm-hmm. and that staff meeting that they talk about. So then. They come up with the plan, like, I'm going to cut this promo on you. It's going to be scathing. It's going to be bad. But the idea is that you walk out with your belt. Booker wins his belt. Eventually, guys fight for the Undisputed down the road. Hogan thinks it's a great idea. But then when Vince Russo gets in the ring and cuts this promo that is so scathing, it goes so over the mark that Hogan's like, well, fuck this. I'm out. I I find it hard to believe Hogan. I don't believe this story. I still don't. I find it hard to believe that Hogan doesn't have thick skin. Yes, I agree. Yeah, how could you? Not, when you're an old school wrestler, and when, you when were, people got stabbed, when apparently on top of WWF during the heyday for nine years, and you know you're getting shit left and right in the locker room, probably, and then this little mealy mouth uh, Booker basically comes out and trash talks you in front of an audience that really there aren't that many people watching, uh, and the fact that he got offended. No, I think it's a bullshit story. I think Hogan didn't. Changed his mind like he does. Did not want to put. Booker I think he over. worked Russo. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, everything Hogan does is a work. A hundred percent. Everything. Good morning, Hogan America. I still. I'm. So- I'm sorry. I won't even watch it mm-hmm. because I know it's bullshit. Yeah, I, uh, listening to interviews with Hogan, I'm like, he could be making all of this up, all of it. I mean, I always like him and Vince. Vince is the same way. Just go look at the Vince McMahon Bob Costas interview. That is a work. That's Mr. McMahon that is, talking. That is yeah. Mr. McMahon. That is a character. Yeah. Hulk Hogan is a character. And when we see, like, um, you know, Hogan knows best, he's still Hulk Hogan, but when we see this stuff that's like, he doesn't know he's being recorded and, and stuff like that, that's what makes me go, I, think, I bet this is the real Hogan. He, when he doesn't know the cameras are on. Right. When he doesn't know, mm. you know, when he thinks he's all by himself, it makes me think that this, that, is, this is the guy. That, or or, or the, the, when he was talking to Nick in the prison cell. Oh, my God. Yeah, and that was recorded. And he's like, well, you know, the, the Lord was probably looking out for you. And the other guy, he probably had it coming. Yeah. Good Lord. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, th- I think that's the real Terry Balea, like, in real life. Yeah. So, yeah. I can see Good it. Morning America? Absolutely. He's trying to save face. WWE even released a statement about it. And they're like, we're well, still, we're still, still not going to hunt. We still stand in our position. Yeah. You know. Um, so, would you guys say, just to kind of cap off the Hogan thing, if Hogan had put over Kidman, does it get over the new blood angle? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. It depends on how he puts him over. Yeah. Well, it's not just. A, I, I guess let's say it's, it he makes win? him look really good. He makes Kidman look really good, regardless if he wins or loses. He makes Kidman look like a million bucks. Yeah, he gives him a strong a strong defeat. Right. Not a sound. Does beating, Hogan but... come back and beat him the next month? And uh, do all the damage? Well, no, no, no. He can still beat him. He could still beat him. But what if, like, you know... Because, remember, we've talked about this. Like, you can get beat, but you can still win the match. Still, like, Steve yeah. Austin didn't win... He, he didn't beat Bret Hart, but he won that match mm-hmm. at WrestleMania. Because he like, was... Like, letting him kick out of the leg. Brock Lesnar didn't beat The Undertaker at SummerSlam. But <laughs> Brock Lesnar beat The Undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> Another yeah. way, yeah. 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 Undertaker has even not on that one, don't you? I'm old as shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> What? Wait! Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the uh, it's in the record book. Yeah, it's true. That's right. Which they keep bringing up the record book. I love it. The record wins and losses don't matter unless they're in that book. <laughs> Stupid. Um. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it would have helped. I don't think it would have done much because uh, uh, the thing about like it's what CM Punk used to say. He goes, "I'm always 
when he was in wrestling, he goes, I'm always concerned about what's next, what comes next. Yeah, this is um, a temporary thing. I absolutely love what Bret Hart said. Wrestling has not been the same since CM Punk left. That was his big quote from that interview. Mm-hmm. Has not been the same since he left because he was like, that guy elevated everything. Yes, he did. And and these fans that, that boo CM Punk, like every now and then you'll hear the CM Punk chant break out and you'll hear these fans boo. And it's like, you know, he really, he he made some great Go points. fuck yourself. Get and, fucked, asshole. Yeah, yeah, I will never boo CM Punk. No, I never. love CM Punk. Yeah. And, and you know what? I, I If I ever saw him, I wouldn't go up to him. I, no, I'm just going to let no. him do his thing. Nope. I might, might nope. nod and that's it. You know, like, I may say thanks. Yeah, like you, like, thank you. He, that's a. You know, we're supposed to be talking about Russo, but I mean, this goes back to it. Like it does, though. Like the char- Russo never created a character like CM Punk. CM Punk created himself, right? And CM Punk found imagine, a way to get himself over. Imagine if you gave Billy Billy Kidman really sees like took, like, mm-hmm. and he tried not to. I mean, everybody like in that reboot Nitro basically was like, go out and say whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Here's who you're feuding with. You know, just throw him under the bus, back it up on him the whole time. Uh-huh. I, I like that Brett said that because um, there's a lot of things in wrestling that are bullshit. They're, it's unfair. It's 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 horrible what they do to those guys a lot of the time. It's really uh, symbolically almost cannibalistic uh, the way that that business works. CM Punk decided to tell everyone about it, and yeah. I guess I guess there's a lot of wrestling fans that either don't want to believe it or they just decide to. Go well. Even if it is true, who cares? Who cares? It's entertaining. This is a real problem. Here's what's really funny: you can go on Raw and air out dirty laundry, and it's great. Pipe bomb. I'm going to use yeah. it now on everything I say. But if I go on a podcast mm-hmm. and I air out dirty laundry, I'm an asshole all of a sudden. And these these are the same fans that bitch about Vince, that bitch about Triple H and their booking, but they they stay loyal to the company. You know, so if, if a wrestler comes out and bad mouths it, oh well, the hell with with them. You know, it's this is my company. It's like, but you don't like the way it's going. I mean, well, I've said that too many people grudge fuck wrestling. Yes, it's true. Just watch. That's my that's my <laughs> that's, Unfortunately, right? in a way, we're part of the problem. Uh, All right, because I will never unsubscribe from WWE. No, there's no, not a chance well, in hell the, I will ever do it. Mal- Mallory, she made a great point. I hope she's listening. Because remember, no, she made a point years ago when we were in college. Why do you guys watch this? Mm-hmm. Most of the time, all you do is just bitch about it. Yeah, <laughs> it was a fair statement. It was a At completely time, fair hey, statement. Two thousand eight was a bad year. Two thousand nine was even worse. <laughs> two thousand nine was shit. After WrestleMania twenty five, yeah. which only had you know obviously probably two two good matches. Two, but still, it was a fair point. But the I, the reason we both were insane for it was that, and you can one hundred percent agree with this too. I'm sure nowadays is. There's always that what if. What if they do this? If, and, and if Punk I and, gave us that. And if I'm not watching, then I miss it. Right. right. And, and that's and, the... And, and if there's a conversation that we want to be a part of, it's when wrestling is good. Right. Yeah. Right. And when CM Punk in 2011 had that summer, it was the most fun wrestling had been since I was a kid. Right. You know, and the, I mean, the closest we have now... It, in all honesty, is whenever Brock Lesnar fights. Yeah. It is like, it's like Christmas morning when Brock Lesnar's up there. <laughs> but, but with CM Punk, we were getting that every week. And right. they killed it within, I'd say, six weeks after Money in the Bank. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the The last good moment was when he came back and it was his first moment back with, he, brought, he used his new song. Mm-hmm. You mean when he came back eight days later? Yeah, that's what I meant. I guess it was eight days. I forget how long it was. But when he came out with his belt, and John Cena, I've got mine. And then when he put up his, the crowd was like, yep, yeah, that's, that's our guy. guy. Yeah. That's our guy. It was the coolest. But oh, it was. Um, but this, he, just to kind of tie it back in, is where you're saying Vince Russo tries to take credit for Austin and The Rock. When we had that conversation with CM Punk, you can't. The Rock and Steve Austin, you may have said, okay, well, you're going to be this character. Okay, fine. They go out there and do it. You don't go... They don't need to have a writer. No. I think the most literal interpretation of what you're saying is 
Remember when Dustin Reynolds got fired and disappeared in WCW this previous this last time? Uh-huh. Remember he's talking about I made Goldust. He's like, well, I fucking played him. Yeah, yeah. I um, had to go out there and do it. Nobody could have played Goldust. No, I mean like, you like, can write that a guy is androgynous. Yeah. You can write that he puts a wig on. You can write that he wears gold and everything. But I'm, I'm sure if you got the right guy, Dean Douglas could have been a great character. fucking A. Could. Well, yeah, you got the right guy. We always do movies as comparisons. Okay, Eric Stoltz and Back to the Future. Do you think it would have been the same thing? No, but I think it would have been good. But I w- think it wouldn't have been as funny. Right. right. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and I've I've always wanted them to release that. I movie. don't think Marty McFly on paper is half as compelling as what Michael J. Right. Fox as an actor brings to it. Right. Yeah, and that's what they were saying about Stoltz was that, um, you know, six weeks into shooting, they were like, he's not playing it right, not the way that we see it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's funny not to go off, off topic. It's okay. But Tom Wilson said that Eric Stoltz is in Back to the Future, and I absolutely believe it. He punches Biff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They, he said we never reshot that. He said that's Eric Stoltz's hand hitting me in the face. Yeah, so mm. he's there. And underrated cool. villain in movie history is Biff. Absolutely. Biff never gets Every enough incarnation. credit. That's the thing. Every incarnation. That's a great actor too. I think he. he should, I, I, this is gonna sound weird. He should have got an Oscar nomination for at least one of those performances. I really believe that. Two. Either that Two was the one that just took the most because he was multiple bibs. I will say his performance as Mad Dog Tannen mm. was phenomenal. It's a great that is Western, a Western heel. character. Yeah, shit. Yeah, he nailed that, and he's so good in all three. Yeah, two is the most complicated one mm-hmm. because he's playing. He does a career of acting in one role. Like yeah, all these different he does types different of characters. Things. Like there's 2015 Biff. Mm-hmm. There's nineteen. There's two 1985 bits. Right. Yeah. Nineteen eighty five. That's right. Yeah. There's oh, what he he is the unsung hero of those movies. Yeah. But anyway, this is the point I'm making. Um, Mr. Perfect was almost Terry Taylor. You ever hear that story? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah the Red Rooster was, was. It was either going to be. Yeah. It was either going to be Terry Taylor or Kurt Hennig. That was who was going to be Mr. Perfect, and one of them was going to be the Red Rooster. Yeah. And it was like, thank God, mm-hmm. they got they, the right one. They right. got the right guy. Yeah. Anybody like. It, it all depends on who you get. Uh, Duke the Dumpster Drozzy. I'm sure that could have been a great character, possibly. Uh, you get, right. you I, gotta embrace it. I love writing to, uh, to the utmost. I respect it as an art form, but when it comes to writing in terms of for performance, it only can go so far. Right. Like you can have a great writing, but have a shit actor, mm-hmm. and, it, and it kills it. And reverse. Like, yeah. you're what? Shoot him up. Yeah, like it's just this horrible dialogue, and you get these people that can just really act, yeah. and they just just change well, it. They embrace the live action R-rated Bugs Bunny cartoon. Yeah, because that's all it is. But I mean, the dialogue, but like we're the dialogue, just, is god awful. Yeah, Clive Owen the, can't deliver a one liner to save his life. No, but it, but yeah, it like Giamani. Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah. The other thing that's a marked departure in Russo Part Two versus Russo Part One is Vince Russo as a character yeah. on screen. This time, he's not what some a, hidden off-camera power. Fatal be. error. He, you know, it's like, which I think was a TBS movie around this time. Fatal error. Yeah. Prognosis <laughs> 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 negative. Oh, <laughs> prognosis negative. What was it? Was it just that blue screen of death, like messing up the world and fatal error? Death blow. <laughs> we're, man, we're missing the death blow. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, channel. <laughs> <laughs> the Seinfeld movies are oh, phenomenal. They're, they're, oh, man. Was Prognosis Negative the one where they get uh, unplugged? Firestorm is my favorite. Firestorm. Yeah. Did you see when Harrison Ford was shooting out of the airplane, flying backwards? <laughs> and then a movie called Firestorm came out a year later. With Howie Law. Yes. <laughs> that is a fun movie. No, right. the chainsaw <laughs> tossed backwards. That's from awesome. God, that movie's terrible. Guys, look that up. Firestorm. Firestorm. Um... We're talking about Russo on screen character, fatal fl- <laughs> they, fatal error. Vince McMahon did it, and everyone and every other company thought they could do it. Uh, Eric Bischoff, <laughs> even WWF, WWF <laughs> has like, hey, we can do it with anybody. John Laurinaitis, put him in a suit. You mean Mister Bella, uh, Jack uh, Bella? <laughs> I'm Jack Bella. How are you? God, he sucked. Yeah. <gasps> I'll not just never forget when Cena put him up in the. Uh, AA. You know why he says it? Because he supposedly is marrying. Yeah, he's the engaged to the. Uh, he's engaged to Nikki and Bree's mom. John Laurinaitis. Mm-hmm. Anyway, John <laughs> Cena. No cells alike. Just yeah. like. Yeah. Oh yeah, the nose. Oh. Oh. Oh, it's empty. Oh. <laughs> Thank God, man. Yeah, he Charlie Stabile. He no sold the AA, and mm-hmm. he just like 
I'm waiting. <laughs> oh, I'm so bored. <laughs> I need a lozenge. <laughs> but um, yeah, Bischoff did it. It worked to an extent. Uh, sometimes right. it did, sometimes it didn't. But Russo, absolutely, it never worked. I'm sorry. And it's weird, like how it becomes like again Ferrara. a tale of two stories, mm-hmm. where it's like <clears throat> I did it because it was needed is almost the way he as as, as we've seen Russo sure do. Was. Yeah. But then, like, you've seen Bischoff in quotes, like... I, I, I underestimated. How much? Yeah. I love yeah. that quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he, he got very vindictive. Like, that's the thing. is like, you see Mr. McMahon, you're like, man, he really wants to just fuck these people over. Vince McMahon, this is my company. This is my livelihood. And these are human beings. Right. I don't think there was a line like... Like, just to go back, the, uh, the David Flair, Ric Flair match... And Vince Russo's just activities in that match. It's just how oh, I refer to him. It's horrible. Deplorable. Like, you bet! Like, to, to like your teenage daughter. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. with that kind of, you know. That story, like, if, again, like... Not a whore. When they, when they transitioned uh, Flair from Douglas into just Flair and Russo, mm-hmm. it should have been quick and painless. And, but instead, it dragged on. Yeah. And it got to the point where it's just like... Um, we're we're way over this, yeah. way over this. What's the point? And it escalates now to a point where we do see Vince Russo become the world champion. It's not is, it's not knocked as much as they as David Arquette should be, mm-hmm. but it more. should. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a weird circumstance. It's a cage match in between Fall Brawl and, and Havoc. This is another one of those things where it's like, who's telling the truth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, the whole thing here is magnificent. The fact that um, you've booked. You booked a Russo and Booker in a cage match that, like, everybody can get in. Yeah, like, I it's the it worst a, cage match ever. I remembered it as one of those just, like, the clusterfuck three stages of hell, like, eight people. It's like, like the movie Ready to Rumble where everybody's yeah. in the cage. Yeah. They shouldn't be. And Goldberg spears, and he said it's one of the most, it's one of his favorite things he ever did in WWE was spearing. Vince Russo? Yeah. Through yeah. that cage and giving him the win, which... By the way it's written, it's written, in, in fact, it's even contradictory in Death of WCW because it's like, on the one hand, oh, he booked himself to be the champ. But then it's like, well, Goldberg speared him through the cage accidentally. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's contradictory, which was done, of course, in his hometown, which drew all of, as they said, 200 more tickets than the previous show, which shows you that nobody cared nobody even in his hometown. Shit. It's a writer. Big Do you guys know the follow-up to that? That that how Booker got the belt back to go to Havoc, as we just saw it. He and Jared have because Vince Russo was like, "I'm not going to be the champ. I'm just a writer, basically." Mm-hmm. So nobody ever beats him for the belt. He just puts it up what as God. it's vacated for the 18 million time. In no one's held the title more than vacate. Mm-hmm. It's put up in a match. It's a very special type of match between Booker and Jarrett. Well, that really was the Cena Orton of its time. Mm-hmm. It really was. A 49ers match. You know what that is? Steve Young is the referee. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is Brett Favre doing here? <laughs> Jerry Rice gets to catch the belt if it falls. So there, were, um, there were four boxes... On four poles in I'm the I'm already losing it. <laughs> oh, you gotta have a pole. It, I, we're getting close to King of the Mountain confused. Oh. King of the Mountain is that, such a cool match if you can follow it. <laughs> it really is. I I'll love the, that match. You're the first person to say it because everyone's just I've immediately never seen focused it. You'll on it. Explain home. to me off air. I can't. Oh. <laughs> I literally you can't. You have to experience it's it. It's like, it's, it's, it, it's a two rules thing. It's. I will try. It has to do with a cage. Uh-huh. Actually, let me just try to do this Go for now. it. Let's do it. It's five men. There's a thing up like on a ladder, uh-huh. and that's the object. But here's the thing. There's pinfalls, too, and if you get pinned, you have to go into a cage on the outside of the ring for like two minutes. Okay. And you're stuck in there. Like a penalty box. Yeah, it's a penalty box. Okay. And the more people get pinned, I think, the more go into the, to the box. Makes sense. So it, it increases your chance of being able to grab... Right. Uh, it was on that TNA DVD that I got when we went yeah, to the yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And Jeff Jarrett was the king of the mountain. Right. This was a cool match. Like, it's a spot fest, really. But I, I really dug that concept. I mean, it's overbooked as fuck. I bet. Yeah, yeah. But there's, it makes sense when you watch it. You know, it's not like WCW where they don't even know the rules until, like, <laughs> oh, I guess it's not over. All right. <laughs> Count out. He's got to pin Brian Adams now. This or, Check it out if you can. Mm-hmm. 
in this 49ers match, which I, I there's I yeah okay so there's four the, boxes four boxes on four poles or and one of the in? boxes is the belt the WCW World Title so you have to guess the right one. What happens if you don't? You get a box that has either a a pink slip? as we've seen a picture of Scott Hall. Uh, <laughs> nope. You've seen that in the no. No, no easy way out. Oh, is that Booker. is that what that is? Yeah. Okay. I guess that's the wrong box. A blow up doll. Or three, what they just called a coal miner's glove. It, it looked more like a gardening glove, but it's they, a call, they called it a coal miner. Yeah, they tried. So what happens? So wait a minute. So if you open a box that has Scott Hall on it, oh, there are no Can consequences. You, there's no consequences. So you don't get to manage slash babysit Scott Hall. No. This no. sounds like a match where it would be very easy for the wrestlers to forget which box has what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm Scott Hall. Oh shit! It's the belt. <laughs> well, it's yeah! <laughs> funny though. So when they get to the final box, it's got the be belt one. falls out onto the ground. Now the rule is the first person to pick up the belt is the champ. Oh, you know who actually that'll... first picked it up? The Red David Robinson. Penzer. But luckily, as um, as Alvarez puts it in the book, luckily they weren't quick enough to announce that David Penzer was the champion. Because <laughs> you imagine if David Penzer announced himself. As the world champion. Oh, me! <laughs> but see, I mean, honestly, that's just what WCW needed at the time. As an announcer signing himself. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> there he is. No! That was sarcasm. Emphatic. No. That's a Russo that's swing. No. Yeah. Look, Taker, I understand that you're plastic, but you got to understand. Sarcasm. Apathetic <laughs> <laughs> uh, Taker. But yeah, that was like that's how they got out of that Russo being the champ thing. But then like what the fallout of that is Russo got concussed bad from not only the Goldberg bump but subsequent bumps that he would take. And so it got to a point where he had to just kind of he, he sent himself home. <laughs> I wish I could do that. <laughs> no. hey, I've had enough. All right. So, so you guys, it's, I'm going home. It's so it, it it's such a weird departure because it it feels like why is time, it called a 49ers match? I don't understand the Niners. Was part. it in San Francisco? Might have been. Oh, there you go. I'm not sure, though. That's the only other thing I... I it's an interesting concept. It sounds like it needs a little bit of work, but mm -hmm. uh, I, I kind of like it. Well, it's like the Feast or Famine in TNA. Which Those are kind of cool. They have the nights where you win, like, there would be matches, and then there's like three or four boxes, and if you win, you get to pick from one of the boxes. Sometimes the boxes have title matches. Sometimes they're pink slips. <laughs> yeah, it's like you win, Damn. and you can get Feast fired. Feast or Famine. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. yeah. Well, I always like their X Division match. Sure. Yeah, like that thing was awesome. Uh, did you ever play the TNA video game? Nope. It's only good for that X Division match. Yeah, that thing is fun. But other than that, that game sucks. But um, it, it's such a weird like the other thing that's interesting though is some of the nitros actually get better and the shows get. Have you noticed the booking of the shows overall? It's less run-ins. Mm -hmm. It's less. Yeah. It's a, a lot, lot more clean. Yeah. So that's one thing that's actually improved in this run compared to the last. Because the last one was so convoluted with run-ins and mm. the, the clean finish ratio. Jeff was, Jarrett was in every storyline. Every okay. he would he find a way. Yeah, yeah. You mayhem is going to match. Stable unto himself. I, don't know, <laughs> I, I, I think if if you had to pick, and I think I know the answer from. I, I think overall it's more fun. A lot more fun than the first run, even though we got to see he did. There from are a couple to there, what. Um, Russo's second run from Reboot Nitro up and through Havoc yeah. is a lot better. You than... embrace the, tra the the car crash TV. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the first run, it feels like he's just Even though, speed. like, he gave Bret Hart the belt. Yeah. He finally got Bret the belt, which was great because he actually did it in a pretty good way to where it's like Bret really had to, like, he had to overcome to get yeah, it. Yeah, that match is overbooked, too, with uh, Benoit. So how about this, though, on top of the question I asked you? Do you think it's better how he booked Brett to get the belt over how he got Booker to get the belt in the second run? In the second those... run? Like when he... Oh, oh, oh. Mm. Well, yeah, because it didn't... To me, I think yes, because, I mean, it, even though it was a clusterfuck overbooked match, I mean, there was no, like, nobody coming out and laying down. Yeah, you really... That, that sticks which, with which, which one are you going with? I know. Well, I'm saying that, the ben, that, that Brett, when he got the belt... 
to me, I prefer that over I, the way that I, Booker T got the. Book. I do too. It, it seems like the Booker one wasn't thought out very much. Uh, Booker was GI Bro the month before. Right. Uh, he fought for the world title. Um, yeah, it's it's Brett. Uh, Brett's winning of the world title is like the only one that has really felt. There are two very close moments because I love the moment I love when of Booker, Booker gets it. I love, yeah, and I love I the moment where Brett gets because he has to beat Benoit in Canada. And he, oh, you're you're gonna take the shirt. It's a great. Uh, that's the, that's really the crazy thing is those are two really significant oh. moments that uh, are Vince sorry. Russo related. Uh, oh, okay, one that isn't Russo related, but I think is my favorite title win of this run is um, Benoit's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's probably still my favorite match from our whole run of this podcast. The one he had with Sid. I yeah. love that match, and I it's love good... him winning that title. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But would like overall like so just throw it down second run or first run? Which I one? mean second run. I mean, it's longer. It's better developed. I mean, it it actually has a chance to. I mean, it fizzles, but it had a chance as opposed to you start a week before a pay per view and then you get two more pay per views after that. Yeah, second run. Uh, there's a lot more ideas being brought to the table. Um, every wrestler seems to be working. You know, that's on the roster. Mm-hmm. You know, which can lead to overbooking, and it does. But you know. It really felt like that first run was just Russo just trying stuff and it just wasn't working. Right. Uh, you think he was coming in? A, it was too much of I'm trying to overcome the old the old guard of WCW and that because that's that's the way it's almost worded is that that's the reason why it didn't work was because people weren't willing to do anything that I wanted to do. Yeah, I think it was just more of a he just wanted to come in and try to immediately make his presence felt as yeah. opposed to working and. Uh, Adapting to the situation, he tried to make the situation adapt to him. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Best Russo pay-per-view. Um, the best Russo pay-per-view. I, I still got to go with Bash at the Beach. I love Bash, Bash at the, at the Beach. Beach. I do love it still because there is there is still a, such a... I, I love the... Because remember the way we, we interpret it, it was like, this is the end of the NWO Officially, the end because it's the end of Hogan. Mm-hmm. It's the pretty much the end. Uh, Nash gets screwed out of getting Hall back. Yep, mm-hmm. and it's a great callback to Bash of the Beach '96. Yep, to uh, there's there maybe they're unintentional. I think they are, but, yeah. but it works. It works. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and um, capped off with Booker getting the belt. As we said, a great moment yep. itself. But um, that's a damn fun show. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I mean, like even Spring Stampede like underdelivered. Mm-hmm. After reboot Nitro, just wasn't nearly as um, as strong as it should be. How about you? I'm going with Spring Stampede. You like Stampede? Cool. Because of, I mean, like, yes, I can't separate the the Hogan bit yeah. from Bash, but Spring Stampede, Jared gets that belt. There's the fruition. Yeah. Of this is the goal. Like this guy and behind this guy. So positive for him. And yes, it was. You know, you got the reboot Nitro, so there's shit everywhere yeah. that really needs to fall into place, and it doesn't seem it's another situation. It doesn't seem like they have time, but just it's just to be one of those like if they would have just somehow been able to push it back a week, it would have been something special. Yeah, what the people think, like between the two, you know, like what had the better buy rate? Um, I, we got honest, the, honestly, I, it, I think probably Spring Stampede. Right, with the interest that. Was well, I mean, built we talked about after, there was like uh, the. It well, I was gonna say his. Jump. I think his first run has substantially better buy rates sure, than yeah. the second one, so I think more people, regardless. Oh, were oh, I thought you meant like between the two. The two pay per views themselves. Well, I don't know off the top of my head. I bet Spring Stampede. Well, it was because we sure. talked about there was it's a right huge on the cusp. Right on the cusp. There's yeah. a huge decline because there was the nitro. This one had the one point, uh, the point one five, and then which one was it that had the point one five that we gave? Like the one that uh, James Brown was at, had the point one super brawl. No super brawl, and then things. Kind of go back on an upswing. Yeah. But the one thing that's so, uh, that, that's, I think, such a, a knock for me is like when I look at the year 2000 in WWF, there is a, from basically November through May, you built Triple H versus The Rock up to the point where they're going to have an Iron Man match. Mm-hmm. That's the way, you, that's a great build. That is a multi month build towards mm-hmm. a very clear, distinct blow off match. Mm hmm. In WCW, we started the the reboot. Nitro starts with Jeff Jarrett DDP mm-hmm. as your world title contenders. Neither one is even close to that point, with the exception maybe Jarrett because DDP's vanished. 
by the time it's over. The point is, like, there's nothing that stretches mm -hmm. through the summer that basically we covered from April in the spring through the summer months till now where we are in the fall. There's nothing, like... Even the new blood is gone. Yeah, there doesn't feel like there's a substantial carrying story from the beginning through the end. So it tells me you don't have long-term aspirations whatsoever for any of your storylines, which is, you know, what Kevin Sullivan said he wanted to do in that... Um, his trilogy of shows was building towards an epic Goldberg and Sid match at Starcade, eventually, which... I don't know. It could have been cool, I guess. I don't know. It depends on how you book it and everything. But, I mean, but they just still. had those matches the month before that people didn't really seem to be happy. Did. It was that first blood match with uh, Goldberg. But they both end with this kind of kooky, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you could see that there could be room to really finish it. But in the same vein, I would have loved to have seen Steiner and Goldberg the entire year just build mm. up to where we are now. Man. But Physical shit. Final thoughts? Any, any more than what we've already said? Well, I don't think that... I don't think that anyone else, though... That would have been ahead of creative would have let Scott Steiner get to where he was. I really believe that's that. a diamond in the rough in all of this. Is where like you've seen somebody like who, you know, it, and maybe it's just a, a case of wrong time, wrong place. But goddamn, was he just a force mm -hmm. that was so counter to what was going on that it could have worked? Yeah, he seems like uh, kind of like how Han Solo seems in Star Wars. Like this is the one character who doesn't fit. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't fit in with this bullshit. Right, um, and and that I, and that I like. Um, I think Russo is wrong most of the time. I think he had one good run, and it was his WWF run. Yeah. Everything after that has been dog shit. He's had time after time to prove himself, uh, in through a, multiple different companies. Never done it. Ever watch an interview with him? Listen to his podcast. Comes off just like his character. It's very tough to take. Um, he made a lot of bad decisions. Yeah, very few good ones. Yeah. And the good ones, I won't even say, are, are for him. Because Scott Steiner was cool before he ever showed up. So, I still don't know if he's the worst ever. I still don't think he is the worst ever. I think one thing Flair nails in that podcast is that ship was going down sure. well before he mm -hmm. got there. But it could have been saved. May, I, I think it could have been safe. Oh, I, we talked about that. Yeah, yeah. we did talk. I and mean, Russo made it worse, ten times worse. Um, in a, I really think he did. I, 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 I still coming back to one of our previous points. I think there are some veterans that had a lot to do with why things didn't necessarily work out. Because two thousand was a pivot point. It could have been right. You can't have a booker, a head booker, who doesn't like wrestling, who doesn't understand wrestling. You can say what you want about the other bookers who, you know, Kevin Nash and the shit that he did that was really bad. But he's a wrestler. guy who also did, really didn't like the business team. Uh, like he was well, not he was really a fan. Money. Right. But right. I think he understands it more than, say, someone like Vince Russo. So I think that in itself is detrimental to the future of a company. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a reason he was let go multiple times from WCW within a year. Yeah, I just, I I think you can put a lot of blame on him. Sure. Uh, simply on that well, alone. It's argue. I said. Because you could. I think you have a lot of people that write for WWE now who don't understand wrestling. It's been that way. It's I been mean, that they've way had for a long time. TV show writers and stuff. There right. was one. There's a podcast I listen to that's about video games, mm -hmm. um, and it's called The Indoor Kids. I mean, it's like it's a celebrity and his wife. They talk about games, and they want to talk to one of their friends who used to write. For the WWE. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember the guy's name, but you listen to the podcast and like... Is it Goldstein? That's the guy I hear a lot. I'll have to go back and look. But like, you hear him talk, and if you didn't watch wrestling, like you were just... You would like, why the fuck would people watch it? He was so bad-mouthing it. Mm -hmm. And like, throwing Vince McMahon under the bus. Like, he's too old, he should just roll... up. Not like the... Like, he just doesn't get it. Like, all this stuff. And so it's like, why did... Why would know? you do it? Yeah. Yeah. But the difference is they had to funnel that stuff through Vince, through Stephanie, through Triple H, you know, like those writers, as opposed to Vince Russo, who had to basically answer, I think, just to himself. But there were those people that he claims that were, um, I think, I think, they were, I think it was Network, who were like, you know, we want the ratings to turn around now, and it put Russo in a very compromising position. Yeah, there were people that didn't understand that. I mean, in addition to him, that wrestling takes time. Oh, and, oh, they understood it less. And so that didn't help. You know, R Russo had to turn a <clears throat> ship around. I'll give him that. He had to turn a sinking ship upright and around very quickly 
And you can't do that in the amount of time that he was given. No. No, no matter how good he is. He got me to watch it, uh, I mean, at least for a little bit. Um, yeah. I watched it with uh, less, it was less habit to just watch it. It was now I'm, I'm watching it to find out really what's going on. Right. Those night, the I will say, following the the nitros on paper, when I did, it was like there's a there's a, it's funny. There's so much more going on on those shows than even what's on like that doesn't even appear on the pay per view. It's a whole just load of things. That's it's Why just put Elix Skipper and Kiwi in the opening match of last pay per view and not put them on. Kiwi comes back next pay per view. I do know that at uh, at Mayhem because they delivered a pretty match. entertaining match. Yeah, totally, <clears throat> totally. Well, you know, um, overall, it, it you know you, you can draw your own opinions on it. There are definitely some, there are few, there are a few bright spots in this. Like I said, I think um, Bash of the Beach is a is a really fun pay per view yeah. uh, to watch. You know, it's a shame New Blood Rising didn't really have the New Blood around to really make it something more it's, special. It's just I more think, like I a, think I think we've done it with naming the podcast that more than that show did. Right. <laughs> but um, <coughs> Jason, do you have any final, more final thoughts? <clears throat> just not on I mean like he's gone you know um, I'm, it's sad to say like you said like our initial reasoning was we wanted to go back and look at this and see if it had the you know all the from our point of view you know we're not sitting here saying that we're experts at least I'm not but I am uh, that whether or not it was as bad as like it's been touted to be and it sometimes it is and sometimes it wasn't yeah so next month, or well, next month in terms of the timeline, but in terms of it will be uh, coming up for us. Our next episode will be Mayhem 2000, where you know we'll see what uh we'll see what ends up happening. We get a carryover for Booker and Steiner. We'll see what happens. All I can still think of is at fault. At Mayhem. <laughs> <laughs> so good. He, he has to take a minute. Oh, good. But um, <laughs> the podcast as part of uh, the OSW Podcast Network is at piledriverwrestling.net. It's on Twitter, New Blood Pod. It's on Facebook at New Blood Rising Podcast. I myself, I'm at William Rankin 83. I'm at the Jason Keesler. I'm at CM underscore stab. Catch you next time. It will be Mayhem 2000. <laughs>